All right, Shabbos, say good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning. Sure to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Av. Paul and Kathy Pollock, in honor of their grandchildren, Tikva, Esther, Simcha, Avigail, Milana, Melisenta, may they grow to become the best version of themselves. For Yehuda Ben Michal. Our week of learning sponsors, Jeff and Karen Cohn, in creation of the Arsite of Karen's mother, Clara Axman, we hope them in the merit of our Talmud Torah. All of the Neshama Slavin Aliyah, the families in Nechama, and all those who require a refuah should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. So with that, let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Mem Beis 42. We are picking up on Mem Aleph on Mem just a few lines shy of the end of the parak. And we left off, let's pick up with, right before the parak ends, two, four, six, eight, ten, about twelve lines up before the parak ends. So most remember again, we ended off yesterday with a very important conclusion with the Gemara telling us that chasinezek, half damages, is in fact a knas. Remember again, that was the machlokas. That was the dispute that we were really hyper-focused on throughout yesterday's daf. Is the half, remember again, chasinezek is paid in a situation when my ox is a first-time offender. So my ox scores Ruvain's ox. Again, first-time offender. Halacha lamaisa, the Torah tell, well, the halacha tells me that I pay chasinezek, half damages. Half damages. Ultimately, again, is that a monetary payment or is it a penalty payment? Is it mamon or is it knas? And remember, again, based on yesterday's stuff, we saw what's the nafkamina, what's the practical difference if it's mamon or knas? What's the nafkamina? Can you pay based on your own admission? Remember again, if it's knas, the concept of knas that we saw also in yesterday's, that very important principle, I want to point out, this is why ksuvus is called shas katan. Ksuvus is called the mini shas because the truth is there are so many Talmudic concepts embedded in this one Gemara. You just look at yesterday's daf. So again, we've got the concept of modibiknas potter, that if you admit a pen- that you're obligated to a penalty payment, you are potter. You are potter that's based on the agzer sakasa, that's based on the pasik. Right? Now again, so therefore, whether or not chasinezek is knas or mamon, is incredibly important. It's not just like an academic classification. At the end of the day, whether or not it's Kanas or Mamon will, 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 will drive whether or not I could self-incriminate. So we go back and forth, but Halacha Lamaisa, so the Gemara ended up, this is what we ended up with in yesterday's daf, is that Chatzinezek, half damages, which is the payment paid for a first-time offending ox, is Knas, is penalty. Is a penalty payment, and therefore Halacha Lamaisa, Ultimately, again, if I go ahead and admit it of my own volition, I am potter. As a result of that, the Gemara says, V'hashtad da'amrit palginiska knasa. Now that we've established that chasinezek is a knas, haikalba da'achel imri. This is interesting. A dog that eats a sheep. Now, if you look at, bless you, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says something interesting, da'achel imri, shechanak talaim chayim ba'achlam. If you have a dog that strangled sheep, that strangled the sheep and ate the sheep, and ate the sheep, or you'll see what we see why this case is important in just a moment. Or Shunra the Achal Tarnagoli Ravravi, or you have a cat that ate a very large chicken or a very large rooster. Rashi says over the Achal. I'm sorry, not yet. What's the Allah? Mishunahi. 
Now we'll say, these are considered to be abnormal cases. If you take a look at Rashi, Mishunahu, Ain Darkobakach. Apparently, apparently dogs don't strangle sheep, and cats, when they, atta- when they attack chickens or roosters, will attack smaller ones, not larger ones. So I will say, again, this is, these are Babakama concepts over here. This is called a, a, an act of, a, a, a deviant act of damages, right? Deviant damages. If you look at Rashi, Mishunahu, in Darkobakach. A dog doesn't damage in this way. A cat doesn't damage in this way. Now, why is this important? The Cholmezek Mishunahu Behema. We'll say any time an animal damages in an abnormal fashion, have tolda de keren tama. Sha'af hu mishuna, de indarka bakach, de chatsi nezeku de mishali. So we'll say, okay, so j- j- just one more piece of avakam over here. There's a concept of keren, and animal damages in different ways. So for example, we saw yesterday the concept of regal. Regal means when an animal causes damage just in the course of its activities of daily living. There's no aggressive behavior. Remember again, we saw yesterday's that the animal is walking, kicks up pebbles. The pebbles go ahead and damage someone else's utensil. So that's called Tsroros Deregel. But the idea is the animal's just walking. The animal's minding its own business, but it caused damage. Karen, Karen refers to aggressive animal behaviors which cause damage. So I will say, here you have a case, here you have a case of Karen Mishuna where the animal is damaging, but the animal is damaging in an abnormal way. A dog doesn't normally strangle a sheep. A cat doesn't normally attack large roosters or chickens. So here it's an aggressive act that's called Karen, but it's abnormal. So abnormal, okay, without getting into all the details, but abnormal Karen, abnormal Karen is kind of treated in halacha like a first-time offending, goring ox, right? And therefore, halacha lemaisa, therefore halacha lemaisa, subject to chasinezek. Okay, subject to chasinezek. So we'll say, so you're going to see why Big Mars bring up this case. So this is a case over here of halacha lemaisa, where I'm going to be chayiv. It's really a fascinating case. I'm chayiv chasinezek, chayiv chasinezek. Therefore, again, Big Mars says, And we would not collect such damages in Babel. But I will say, why not? This is incredible. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, actually not yet, sorry. But again, we'll see what we'll say. In Bavel, in Bavel, they collected mamon, they didn't collect knas. Meaning what? And this is really quite fascinating that knas, we're going to see, requires a basin that has smicha. Smicha is an unbroken chain of ordination going back to Moshe Rabbeinu. Without formal smicha, a basin can collect mamo. They can collect monetary compensation. They can't collect knas. They can't collect knas. So the Gemara says, however, but if a dog kills, right, the dog kills a sheep in a normal way, or the cat goes ahead and kills a chicken or a rooster that's smaller, that's normal, and ultimately, again, such, such damages you can collect even in Bate Din in Bavel. Apparently, the courts in Bavel did not have Dayanim who had smicha. They were Tavidi Chachamim, but they didn't have this formal smicha. Therefore, in Bavel, they could not collect knas. Pretty incredible. 
creating, creating Gadol. Rashi, if you look at Rashi, by the way, Rashi says it's the first wide line in Rashi, middle of the line. The Chayvon de Knossahu lo magbina le bedayone babel. So because it's a Knas, you can't collect this with Dayanim in Babel. She'in sham smicha bezikinim. Velo mikru mumchim. Okay, I will say, we're not going to get into these technicalities right now, but the Gemara sensitizes us to this idea that you could only connect, collect knas with a basin that has smicha. So in Babel, the Bate did not have normative smicha, regular smicha, or I should say, classic smicha, therefore they couldn't collect knas payments, but they could collect mamon. So the Gemara says, however, however, the itafas lomaf kinon mine. This is actually fascinating. There's a concept in halacha sometimes that a Beisdin can't enforce a particular claim. But if the claimant seizes property, right? Let's say, let's say the, 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 the plaintiff seizes property of the defendant, Beisdin would not extract that property. So just, just to illustrate this over here, just, let, let's, let's play this out. My, my dog goes ahead and chokes, right? Let's, my cat, my cat attacks Rubain's large chicken, large chicken. That's Mishona, that's Mishona. That's considered to be deviant behavior. Now what kind of deviant behavior, as we saw before? It's Karen Mishona. What's the halacha for Karen Mishona? Chatzinezek. Chatzinezek is a? Knas, good. Chatzinezek is Knas. Because it's Knas, therefore what? It cannot be collected in Babel. <laughs> it's incredible. Why can't it be collected in Babel? Because in Babel, they didn't have smicha. And you can only connect, collect kanas with smicha. So we have an interesting case over here. Everyone knows, everyone knows my chicken did it. Uh, sorry, my cat did it. Right? Everyone knows my cat did it. Beisdin is just simply powerless to go ahead and enforce this kanas. Well, if Ruvain were to come over to my house, come into my garage, and take my snowblower, because this was his prize, uh, you know, fair winning chicken. You know, he brought this chicken to the fair every year. You know, and this, and this one, and, and the chicken was worth $500. So he takes my snowblower, which is worth five, five, five thousand, if I say five thousand, five hundred, whatever it is. But he takes my snowblower, which is the same amount of money, Beisdin would not extract the snowblower from Ruvain. Interesting case, because Beisdin knows that Ruvain is entitled to it. But Lamai said they're powerless to go and enforce this claim because they don't have smicha. Okay. And I will say, if Ruben were to say, listen, fine, so let's make a court date in Eretz Yisrael. We'll go to Eretz Yisrael because in Eretz Yisrael, the Bate Din there had the, the, the Dayarim have smicha and they'll be able to enforce the Knas. Then the Kavinon way. Then we make a time, in other words, then Beisdin will force me, will force me, the defendant, to go ahead and go up to Eretz Yisrael to have the case heard there. I will say, which is, a, which is a, so again, so since in Babel, we can't adjudicate this properly, if the plaintiff says, I want to go to Eretz Yisrael to have the case heard, Beisdin will force me, the defendant, to go to Eretz Yisrael. Jose Rabbi Nachman says on this statement something so beautiful. He says that there's a deeper meaning in this phrase. If a Jew says, if a Jew says, I need to get to Eretz Yisrael. If a Jew says, I need to have my time to get to Eretz Yisrael. The Rebbe is not talking about for a visit. He's not talking about for a vacation. But if a Jew feels in his heart that my place is in Eretz Yisrael, my place is there. I need to establish my time where I could build my life in Eretz Yisrael. 
ultimately, again, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help him get there. If the, Jew tru- if the Jew truly desires to truly be an Eretz Yisrael, with all of his essence, to make his Kavias there, to make, Kavias means like an established, permanent presence, to make his Kavias there, a Kavale. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give him the Siyat of the Shemaya to make that happen. It's a beautiful idea. Vi'ilo Ozo. And again, if the defendant refuses to go to Eretz ultimately we, we, we excommunicate him. That is very interesting. The truth is we excommunicate him either way. Why? Because we'll say, here's the problem. In both of these cases, what's the problem? I'm maintaining a vicious dog. Or I'm maintaining a vicious cat. And the halacha is that Beisdin, well, Beisdin puts pressure on a person to not, to not possess things which could damage other people. Meet the Rabbi Nassan. So Rabbi Nassan, the son of Rabbi Nassan, Omer Minayin Shlo, Yigad Adam Kelev Rabbi Soch How do we know that a person should not raise a bad dog in their home? In other words, we'll say that a person shouldn't raise a vicious, an animal that has the ability to do damage to others in their home. Similarly, below Ya'amid Sulam Ra'ua Besoch Beso, or a person should not go ahead and maintain a rickety ladder. A rickety ladder is a ladder that could collapse if somebody tries to scale it. How do you know this? Because the Pasuk says, do not let there be blood in your home. In other words, so what the Gemara is saying over here is, there's, there's like multiple levels over here. Right? So if it's because it's Chatzinezek, because it's Chatzinezek, therefore it's a Knas, based in, in Babel, who doesn't have Smicha, can't hear the case. Okay? But if Ruvain ends up seizing some of my property to satisfy his loss, Beisdin will not extract it from him. And if Ruben says, make me a court date in Eretz Yisrael, Beisdin will force me to go. And if I don't go, Beisdin excommunicates me. And then the Gemara says, by the way, Beisdin is going to excommunicate me regardless until I remedy the issue. And what's ultimately, again, remedying the issue? What's remedying the issue? Remedying the issue is removing the source of danger. So whether it's the vicious dog, the violent cat, or the rickety ladder, based in orders me ultimately to go ahead and remove that. I will say there's a beautiful piece. But we'll save it. Uh, we'll get a little bit further in the draft, and then we'll come back in Merzah Shem and do that. Hadrin Alach, Elu Naros, Rabosai, Shkoyach. Mazel Tov. Naros Shinis Pasasah. Shavosai, a girl who was seduced. Boshka Upagamo Kunasa Shaladiyah. So remember, we've established this already. Her Boshes, humiliation. Pagam depreciation. Kinas is the penalty payment. Belongs to her father. Vatsar, Vatsar bitfusa. And ultimately, we'll say, now again, if there's tsar, now remember, when is there tsar? When is there tsar? Tsar doesn't apply in the case of mafuta, right? There's no tsar in, in seduction. Tsar is only by ones. So the mission just says, by the way, and if there's tsar, i.e., a case of ones, that goes to her father. Okay. Umdabadin. I will say, now again, some of the interesting cases here. Umdabadin. So I will say, let's say now again, Ruvain, Ruvain seduced Rachel. Ruvain seduced Rachel. And now what happens? So there's a court proceedings. Remember, again, this is a Din Torah. This is a Din Torah. Because Bipashtos, Ruven is not admitting to what it is that he did. So Amdabadin, if ultimately they began the court proceedings, so let's say they began the court proceedings, the father is still alive, so as we just said before, all of the, all of the financial awards, so to speak, that based in awards Rachel, really go to her father. Mesa'av, what happens if the father dies? Ultimately, again, then the, the awards, so to speak, go to her brothers. And I will say what that means is if the father dies, then 
the money that he would have been entitled to passes on to his heirs as inheritance. So assuming that she has brothers, these, these financial awards of Boshes, Pegam, Knas, ultimately, again, will go on to her brothers. Okay. So this is an interesting case. We'll say, what happens if Halacha Lameisa, right? Ruben violates Rachel or seduces Rachel, whichever case it is. And they're going to take the case to Beisdin. But before the case comes to Beisdin, so Rachel's father dies. So lo ispika lamo bedin In that case, then halacha the girl keeps all of the money, right? Rachel gets all of the all of the financial settlement. Look at Rashi. Lo ispika lamo bedin. Rashi says second, third, second to last line, third to last line from the bottom. Kevin the law amda bedin lav mamarhu. See, I say, since the court proceedings did not begin. The award is not considered to be belong to the father. See, I will say, here's what's interesting. If it seems to be from the Mishnah that if the court proceedings began and the father died after they had begun, so we view the awards as always as already having belonged to the father before he died, and therefore they'll pass through to the inheritors. However, if the father died before the court proceedings began, then the father really has no rights in that money. Because he has no rights in the money, they don't pass through to the inheritors. So where does the money go? The money remains with Rachel. Good. Another interesting case. Let's say, they begin the court proceedings before she becomes a Bulgaris. Then ultimately the awards will go to the father. If the father dies, then ultimately they'll pass through to the inheritors. This last case is very interesting. We've actually alluded to this already. Right? Ruven violates Rachel. Obviously, again, in order for there to be a knas, right? What stage is Rachel in? What is she in? She's in Nara. She's in Nara. So now let's say by the time the Basin gets a chance to hear the case, she's what? She's a Bulgaris. She's a Bulgaris. So in that case, the, the award belongs to her. She's a Bulgarian already. So we'll say it's actually very interesting. But Bishman has a different model. So we'll say, up until now, up until now, the Tanakama of the Mishnah understands that as long as the legal proceedings began and the father was alive, any financial settlements belong to who? The father. So that even if the father died before the verdict was delivered, the awards are considered to belong to the father, and then they'll pass through to the inheritors. Rabbi Shimon disagrees. Rabbi Shimon says, So it's very interesting. Rabbi Shimon says the only time that the awards from Beisdin belong to the father is when? Is when? When he actually had possession of them, when he collected them. But Allah Chalamaisa, even if the father was alive for the proceedings, and even if the father was alive for the verdict, if the father did not collect the money, the money's not his. And because it's not his, it doesn't pass through to the inheritors upon his death. Rather, again, if he dies before actual collection, who gets the money? Rachel. Rachel, Rashi says over here, last Rashi in the Daf, Rabbi Shimon Omer, this is the position of Rabbi Shimon. The money, the awards, does not belong to the father until the father actually collects it. So if the father dies any time before collection, the money belongs to Rachel, 
and does not pass through to the inheritor. So we'll say a fundamental machlokis. So again, I just want to point out once more what this machlokis is because this is dramatic. So you've got the kind of comma saying that the only time the money, there will be two cases where the money will belong to her, according to Tanakamo. Case number one is where she becomes a bogeres even before the court proceedings begin, which, which makes sense. And case number two is where the father died before the court proceedings began. But essentially, if the father is alive at the time the court proceedings begin, even if he dies before the verdict, the money is considered, the award, we'll call it the awards, are considered to be the possession of the father. Now the father's dead, so what'll happen? It'll pass through, the Mishnah calls it to her brothers, meaning it'll pass through to the father's inheritors. Rabbi Shimon says, no. The money only belongs to the father when? When? When it actually comes into his possession. If the father doesn't take possession, so it doesn't matter when he died, if he didn't take possession, the money's not his. So if he dies any time before he actually takes possession, so in other words, let's say the basin delivered the verdict, but ultimately, again, he just didn't take possession, Rabbi Shimon will say it belongs to the girl. Belongs to Rachel. Top of Membez, Rabbi Top of Membez. So the Gemara Her earnings, that's my say, that her earnings, Mitsiyasa, that which she finds, we'll see exactly what that case is. Even though they have not yet been collected, so say, this case, what the Gemara seems to be saying is like this, that if you have a situation where, if you have a situation where she earned money during her father's lifetime, now remember again, earnings that she's, earnings that her earnings technically belong to her father. So if she earned money during her father's lifetime, even though she didn't yet collect it, those are considered to be the possession of the father. And therefore, again, when the father dies, those earnings will pass through to the heirs. Okay. So we'll say, we'll analyze those cases separately. So my Kamashwa, so we'll say, so here's the problem. The, the opening part of the Mishnah seems to be totally redundant. We've learned this already. Namely, what does the opening part of the Mishnah say? It says that a girl who is seduced, her boshes, pegam, and kanas go to her father. So the Gemara says, my kamash balon, what's the chiddush in that? We've learned this already. Hamifate no sin shlosha dvarim, right? The seducer pays three, three buckets of money, right? Three things. Vahonis arba, and the, and the violator pays four. Hamifate no sin boshes upegamu kanas. So ultimately the seducer pays boshes begamen kanas. Mosef I love onis. Ultimately again the onis will pay one more item. Shinosin asatsar. And right, and also, so why does the Mishnah need to go ahead and repeat this concept? To which the Gemara says, La'aviyah, it's directly. No, no, the Mishnah needs to tell me that you pay it to the father. Pay it to the father, La'aviyah, nami pshita. We learned that already also, that you pay it to the father. Midikayoiv mifata. Now, I'll say, here's what's interesting. This is fascinating. It's obvious that these payments are made to the father. How do you know they're made to the father, I'll say? The case of Mephata teaches me that this is made to the father. Why? Because they're both said, if it wasn't made to the father, there should be no payments for Mephata. Why should there be no payments for Mephata? Why not? Because it's consensual. Because it's consensual. In other words, both said, I-, I know it sounds very strange to us about consensual with a girl who's 12 and a half years old, right? You're 12 years old. Does, doesn't make it. Oh, all right. But again, obviously, we've already we've said, this, we've said this a million times already. The Gemara is obviously just, just operating with a fundamentally different societal model. But the point the Gemara is making over here is, this obviously that the payments go to the father, because if it's going to her, 
in the case of Mefateh, why should she be entitled to anything? This was a consensual act to which the Gemara says, the Gemara says, "Am zilat zilat sma amai yayf mefata midai David am dabadinis trichale." So we'll say, "No, no, no." You're right. The entire point of the Mishnah, we'll say, essentially, the entire beginning of the Mishnah was really was really redundant, and it really was. Just, I shouldn't say redundant. It was an introduction. What was the introduction to the case of am dabadin? We'll both say the, the meat of this Mishnah. The meat of this Mishnah is the machlokes in Rabbi Shimon Tanakamo as to when the father really becomes entitled to the awards of this particular case. So, Am Dabadin Shimon Really what this Mishnah Bose is here to introduce us to is the Machlokas Rabbi Shimon and the Rabbanon. So once again, the Gemara now tells me the entire really first part of the Mishnah was really just an intro. What's the essence of this Mishnah? What's the meat of this Mishnah? The meat of this Mishnah Bose is a Machlokas of when a father becomes entitled to the compensation awarded to his daughter. When does a father become entitled? The Rabbanon say, as long as a father is alive at the beginning of the court proceedings, he is considered to be in possession, so to speak, of the awards. Of the awards, so that even if he dies before verdict, ultimately, again, those awards will pass through to his heirs. Rabbi Shimon says, no. Father is only in possession of the awards when, when, when he's actually when he's actually gets possession of it. Any time beforehand, ultimately it'll belong to the goal. The Gemara says that's the essence of this Mishnah. So let's analyze. So tonight, Hassan, we learned Anasto upasitas biti. Both listen to this case, right? Ruben, Ruben goes over to Shimon and he says, Shimon, Shimon, you went ahead. Or I should say, Shimon goes over to Ruben and he says, Ruben. You, you went ahead and you, you seduced or you violated my daughter. And Ruvain says, no, I didn't. I didn't. So Shimon, the father, now says, I want you to swear that you did not, that you did not uh, violate my daughter. You didn't seduce my daughter. And Ruvain says, which means they both say, what? Ruvain takes a shvua. Ruvain swears that he did not go ahead and seduce Rachel, who is Shimon's daughter. The Hoda, and then Ruvain admits that he did, right? That he did. So says, now two things have happened. What are the two things that have happened? Number one, number one, Ruvain, Ruvain seduced Rachel. That's number one. And number two, he took a false oath. He swore falsely. So we'll say, what's Talacha? Chayiv. Now, what are you Chayiv here? Take a look at Rashi. Chayiv. It's in the short lines of Rashi, about uh, four lines in Chayiv. Karen. So we'll say, he's Chayiv Karen. I will say, in this case, what does Karen mean? Karen just means whatever regular monetary compensation. So also, let's say in a case of seduction, that's going to be the knas, boshes, and pegam. Right? Knas, boshes, pegam. So the Gemara says, so he's going to be chayiv. So that's Karen, v'chomesh. When you swear falsely, you're also chayiv, a penalty fifth, an additional fifth, right? So there's chomesh, the asham, and a carbon asham. Right? And a carbon asham. So these are the three things you're going to be chayiv. Number one, well, let's work backwards. An asham gezelos, right? An asham gezelos. Number two, karen, which means all of the buckets of payment, plus chomesh, an additional penalty fifth. Rabbi Shimon Poter, Rabbi Shimon says, your pater. Why does Rabbi Shimon say your pater? Rabbi Shimon says, because halacha lamaisa, this is a case of seduction. And remember, seduction has knas. 
And even though now Ruvain's admitting that he lied, that he lied, that he swore falsely, he's admitting that he owes a knas. They will say, what's the halacha when you admit, what's the halacha mode of the knas when you admit that you owe a knas? What's the halacha? Potter. This is yesterday's daf. Mode of the knas, potter. Therefore, Rabbi Shimon says, he's potter from everything. There's no asham gazelos, there's no karen, there's no chomosh, there's no nothing. So it's pretty, pretty incredible. Rashi says, Rabbi Shimon says, since if Reuben were to admit this whole thing of his own volition, he would be potter. Therefore, even in this case over here, Allah when he goes ahead and he swears falsely, and then he admits that he swore falsely, he's going to be potter as well. So listen to this. So the Rabbanan said back to Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, okay, but Kenas is only one part of this. In other words, Kenas is only one part of this penalty payment. It's only one part of this payment. There's also Mammon, right? Remember again, Boshes and Pegam is not Kenas. Boshes and Pegam is Mammon. That's compensatory damages. So what about that? So the Gemara says, so that's the Machlokas. That's the Machlokas. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, so Abai asked Okay, so we'll say a little bit of a, of a wrinkle on the previous case. Shimon comes over to Ruben. Shimon says to Ruben, Ruben, you went ahead and violated my daughter. You violated my daughter. I took you to Bezdin, and Bezdin found you guilty. So pay up. So pay up. And what happens? Vuhu Omer, Vuhu Omer, Lo Anasti, Velo Pasiti, Velo Amaritani Bidin, Velo Nishayafti, Luchamamon. And Ruben says, Natural, I didn't violate your daughter. We never went to Bezdin, and I don't owe you anything. So Venishba, and then Ruben swore that in fact he didn't do any of these things. And then Vahoda, now he admitted. So now Ruben goes and admits, I lied. I lied. In other words, I did all those things. I violated your daughter. We went to Bezdin. I was found guilty. And I owe you this money. Shabbos say, this is fascinating. So now, so now, the Rabbi Shimon, my. Shabbos say, Rabbi Shimon said in the previous case, if you remember what, that even when Ruben admits that he lied, that he lied and he swore falsely, Rabbi Shimon says, that what's that, huh? He's potter. He's potter. Why? Because Rabbi Shimon looks at this as a case of Moda Biknas. He's admitting a fine. And Moda Biknas potter. So he wants to say something fascinating. Our bias says something fascinating. What about this case? Rabbi Shimon, my kevan da amad bedin mamona havi umechayev alei carbon shvua odoma afagav da amad bedin knas havi. Rabbi said, "Listen to this fascinating question. See, in case number two, let's just see the two cases. In case number one, Shimon's confronting Ruvain that he did something. Ruvain is denying that he did it and swearing falsely. Then he's admitting that he did it. So he's admitting that he owes a knas." Rabbi Shimon says, okay, Mavda Biknas, Potter, you're Potter, you're not chayv anything. In case number two, what's happening over here? Ruvay's confronting Shimon about two things. Number one, you violated my daughter. And number two, what? We went to Bezdin. And really, number three, Bezdin found you guilty. And you're chayv. You're chayv damages. So, most of this is a fascinating question. How do we view, how do we view the verdict of Bezdin? Once Bezdin declares that Ruvay is chayv, Right, so remember again, a case of violation. Let's go through this. What is Reuven going to be chayif? So number one, knas. Next, tsar, boshas, pegam. So now that's all wrapped up into an award of Bezdin. 
So we'll say, listen to how fascinating this is. Once Bezin awards the money, does the whole thing essentially become transformed into mamon? This is now a financial judgment. So we don't look at kenas mamon, it's mamon. It's now a financial judgment against Ruven. Or do we still look at it as kenas as well, as kenas and mamon wrapped up together? I'll say, you hear, you hear, what, you hear what this is? Words, after there's a verdict of Bezdin, do we now just look at this as damages, damages, this is mamon, this is what you owe, it's no, but, and after the verdict of Bezdin, right, Ruvain, this is what you owe Shimon, and it's no different, so now let's say, let's say, let's say the, the, the award is $10,000, so now Bezdin declares, Ru, right, Ruvain owes Shimon $10,000, so do we look at that $10,000 as no different as if Ruvain had borrowed $10,000 from Shimon, and he owes him money, so this is now mamon, this is now mamon, and therefore, again, when Ruben goes in and admits that he lied, he's going to be high of what? Karen, all the, right, the, the financial award, plus an additional penalty fifth, and a Asham Gizelos. Or, do we still look at the complete award as having a chilek of it that's knas? And if it's still knas, then what? Then when Ruben admits it, what's going to be the halacha? Mode be knas, pater. Such a fascinating, it's, it's, it's a fascinating discussion about how you look at Beisdin's financial award. Incredible. So we'll say, so Rabbi answered, because this was a by asking of, uh, a by asking of Rabbi, sorry. Rabbi answered, no, no, no. Once Beisdin passes a verdict, and now there's like a financial award, we look at that as mamon now, and not kenas, and therefore Ruben will be chayiv. So we'll say, Eisve, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon raised the kasha, Eisve, sorry, Eisve, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Yochol HaOmer LeChavera Anastas, Anastu Pasitas Biti. So we'll say, let's say again, Shimon goes over to Ruben, Ruben, you seduced or violated my daughter. Vuhu Omer, first wide line about say, Vuhu Omer, Lo Anasti, Velo Pasiti, not true, never happened. Or, Hamis Sharcha Es Avdi, or Reuven goes over to Shimon. Shimon, your ox killed my Eved. Vahu Omer lo hemis. Reuven says, never happened. Osha Omer lo, avdo hipalta es, I'm sorry, Osha Omer lo avdo hipalta es sheni. Visimisa es enai. Right? Or, this is an interesting case. Remember, we'll say, what's that locha? If you go out and you knock out the eye of your Eved, or you knock out the tooth of your Eved, what's that locha? Your Eved goes free. So now your Eved comes over to you and says, you knocked out my eye, you knocked out my tooth. And ultimately, again, the master says, never happened. Now we'll say in all of these cases, in all of these cases, we'll call them the defendant. The defendant swore that he did not do these things. And then he admitted that he lied. So we'll say in all of these, a lot of different cases over here. He admitted that he lied. What's Talacha? You might have thought that it should be chayiv tamalomar the kichesh ba'amito bepikadon o b'chomas yad o b'gezel o ezek es amiso o matza aveda the kichesh ba v'nishpa v'nishpa al shaker. So I'm also listening to this. So the Torah over here is talking about the halacha about if a person swears falsely. So it's interesting about say. So if you look at the cases of the Torah, the Torah says as follows. The Torah says. Right, you go ahead and you lie to your fellow, you lie to your fellow, regarding something deposited with you, something placed in your hand, or with theft, or you wronged your fellow, or you found the lost object and you denied it, and then all these cases you swore falsely. 
What's the common denominator amongst all these items mentioned in the pasuk? Ma'elu miyuchadin shein mamon, af kol shein mamon. They both say, when is there liability for swearing falsely about something? Only when what you're swearing falsely about is mamon, is money, as opposed to what? As opposed to what? Kinas. So yatsu elu shein kinas. So I will say, ultimately, again, when is there a chiv for Asham Gzelos, right? When is there a chiv for the, for the carbon Asham Gzelos, for swearing falsely, for the Karen and for the Chomesh? Only if you're swearing falsely about Mamon. But if you're swearing falsely about Knas, there is none of this liability. Amad Beis, my love, Bisha Amad Bedin. So by the way, that has not introduced anything new to us. Jose, I just want to point out, we, we have two different... So remember, what, what, we're, what we're working on right now is as follows. We introduced a new question here. Everyone is agreeing that halacha lamaisa... I shouldn't say everyone is agreeing. That, that's not true. Rabbi Shimon is saying that halacha lamaisa, if you went ahead and you swore falsely regarding knas, you're going to be potter. You're going to be potter. Right? So remember again, that's case number one. Case number one is Reuben comes over to Shimon. Shimon you violated my daughter, right? Shimon says, no, I didn't. Ruvain says, swear. Sorry, sh- sorry. Shimon comes over to Ruvain. Ruvain, you violated my daughter, right? Sh- Ruvain says, no, I didn't. Shimon says, swear, swear. Ruvain says, I swear. And then what happens? Ruvain admits that he did it. What is Rabbi Shimon saying? What does Rabbi Shimon say? Potter. Now again, the Rabban on the screen, Rabbi Shimon says, Potter. Why does Rabbi Shimon say, Potter? Why? Because halacha lamaisa, what is, what, is, what is Shimon admitting to? Sorry, keep your answer. What is Ruben admitting to? What is he admitting to? Knas. Now granted, there's also Mamad in there, right? That's, that's what the Rabbana pushed back. I'm going to be Shimon. He's admitting to Knas. And therefore, again, you're not chayv on anything. You're not chayv on the Knas, you're not chayv on the Karb, you're not chayv on the Karb, you're not chayv on the Kolmish, you're not chayv on anything. Now, Bosik Mars is fine. What about, what about case number two? where Shimon confronts Reuben with the same claim, you violated my daughter, but we went to Beisdin, Beisdin found you guilty. Beisdin found you guilty, right? And Reuben says, Reuben says, never happened, right? I swear, never happened. Turns out Reuben says, no, I admit, I did all of these things. So now they're asking Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, how do you view Knas after Beisdin has awarded the money to the plaintiff? Do we still view that money as Knas? Or no, once it's, part of a ju- once it's part of a judicial adjudication, in other words, once it's part of an award that Beisdin has ordered, that's transformed into Mamon. That's transformed, and even Rabbi Shimon would agree that in that case, Reuven would be ordered to pay. So now, the Gemara brings down this case. When are you going to be Chayiv ultimately again for swearing falsely? That's only in the case of Mamon, but not in Knas. What case of Knas will you be part of? Says the Gemara, My love, Bishamad Bedin. Aren't we even talking about a case where Beisdin delivered the verdict already? And we see that even after the verdict, Knas money is still considered to be Knas. No, not necessarily. In other words, we could be talking about, again, where a person is denying and then admitting to Knas ultimately before a verdict. But perhaps after the verdict was delivered, right? If you go ahead and you deny that you owe that money, perhaps that's not called denial of Knas or admittance of Kinas afterwards, but rather, again, that's Mamo. To which the Yomar But since the Reisha is talking about a case where they already had, based on already made a decision, Ahmad Bedin. So the Seifa also has to be talking about Ahmad Bedin. Diktani Reisha, because what do we say in the Reisha? 
Ultimately, I only know about things that you have to pay the principal. Ultimately, I don't know that it even includes things like kefel, arba vechamisha. So we say these are all penalty payments. Ones mefata moti shemra tamalomar umaala maal riba. So therefore, we'll say the pas is maala maal that comes to include these cases as well. Now, what does it mean? How are you coming to include cases of kinas? Hechidami idalo amad bedin kfeila miika. Now, we'll say now there's no such thing as kefel without uh, without a din Torah. In other words, kefel is the result of a verdict. So the Gemara says, "Ela pshita b'sha'amad bedin." Rather, it must be talking about a case where this particular case was already decided on by Beisdin. Umidresha b'sha'amad bedin. And if the first part of the Mishnah is going to be or the first part of the Brisa, we talk about amad bedin. Sefer nami b'sha'amad bedin. Then the Sefer must also be talking about amad bedin, where Beisdin already reached a verdict. And therefore, I will say it would appear it would appear that even after Beisdin reaches a verdict, halacha lemaisa. A knas is not called mamon. A knas is still called knas. Still called knas. So he said, the truth is, I could answer this up, and I could explain to you how the reisha is talking about a case where they did not yet have the din Torah, and the sefer is talking about a case where they did have the din Torah. The cooler Rabbi Shimoni, and I can establish the entire process as according to Rabbi Shimon. But I don't want to give you, I don't want to give you a stretch answer. In other words, I don't want to give you an answer that's a bit dachuk, an answer that's, that's a bit stretched. The imkain amartali, because you can always answer back to me, listeni reisha Rabbi Shimon Omer, or listeni sefer div Rabbi Shimon. Because if indeed, if indeed, that the entire Mishnah is Rabbi Shimon, then ultimately again, the Mishnah should be introduced by saying Rabbi Shimon Omer, or the Mishnah should end with the words Diver Rabbi Shimon. Elokula b'sha'amad b'din. Rather, you have to say that the entire Mishnah is talking about a case where Beisdin already decided. Beisdin already made their p'sak halacha. The Reish Rabbanon v'sefer Rabbi Shimon. And the first case, I see talking about the Rabbanon. And the, the first case reflects the view of the Rabbanon. And the second case reflects the view of the Sefer, reflects the view of Rabbi Shimon. Umodin halacha. And I will admit to you, I will admit to you, that that can I will admit to you what? I'll admit to you that knas, after a psak based in, is transformed into mamon. I'll admit to you, Wow. This is actually quite fascinating. So we'll say, let, let, let's, t- let's take a step back over here for just a moment. W- what are we trying to focus on over here? Right? What, what are we trying to focus on? We're focusing, now we have, t- we have a lot of stuff going on. First of all, we have a general machlokes between Rabbi Shimon and the Rabbanon. Right? What's the general machlokes of Rabbi Shimon and the Rabbanon? General machlokes. So the, the general machlokes really goes back to the first case. The first case was again, Shimon comes over to Ruben, confronts Ruben. You violated my daughter. Ruben says, Ruben says, no, I didn't. Shimon says, swear. Ruben says, I swear I didn't. Then what happens? Ruben says, I lied. I did it. I did it. Rabbanon say, Rabbanon say, what, what's Ruben's liability? What's Ruben's liability? Tsar, Boshes, Pegam, Kinas, Chomesh, penalty fifth, Asham Gzelos. Rabbi Shimon, what does Rabbi Shimon say? Pater. Why? Why? 
Because Rabbi Shimon says, there's a kinas. He admitted that he owes a kinas. Molde the kinas potter. So I'll say, now Rabbi Shimon says he's potter on everything. So the first, the first machlok, which we are not resolved, the first machlok is, is Rabbi Shimon allows the kinas to almost like eclipse all of the other monetary payments. So according to Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon looks at this whole thing as kinas. Whereas the Rabbanon say, I don't stand. There's more and kinas. Even if you want to exempt them on the kinas, right? You go season, he doesn't pay the kinas. Why shouldn't he have to pay Tsar, Boshes, Pigam, maybe the penalty fifth, the Asham Gzelos? So that's first Machlokes. That's first Machlokes. Right there, Rabbi Shimon ultimately is viewing this whole thing as a Knas, the Rabbanon are viewing it as a combination of Mamur and Knas. What's the second Machlokes? The second Machlokes, Rabbi say is, how, or the second point of contention, we'll call it, is after Basedin delivers a verdict, right? So now let's say again, I will say, Ruben, Ruben goes ahead, Ruben violated Rachel, right? The case goes, Shimon the father brings the case to Bezdin. Bezdin rules in favor of Rachel. So now there's, so now they say, Rachel, you are entitled to Kinas, Tsar, Boshes, Pigam. Let's call it $10,000, $10,000. Bezdin says, Ruben, we hereby order you to pay Rachel $10,000. So we'll say, what's the Shiloh? What's the Shiloh? How do you view the $10,000? Is the $10,000, is that still called Kinas and Mamon? Or maybe, you know, after the verdict of Bezin, what is that called? What is that called? Mamon. Now, we'll say, why does that matter? That matters, again, because remember, case number two is where, once again, Shimon confronts Ruvain and says to Ruvain, you violated my daughter. And we went to Bezin, and you're chayiv $10,000 to me. And what does Ruvain say? Not true, on all counts. Ruvain swears to that, that he's not chayiv at all. And then it turns out that what? Ruvain lied. Ruvain lied. So now, halacha lemaisa, do we view Ruvain as denying a knas, in which case he's potter, or the whole thing is mamon? So the Gemara just ended off with an interesting distinction. It could very well be that legabe carbon, in terms of carbon, maybe we still look at this as knas, and therefore you won't be chayv a carbon or chomesh, but maybe in terms of ultimately, again, mamon, in terms of laws of inheritance, it's looked at as mamon. It's looked at as mamon. Look at Rashi. Maybe we look at this and look at this financial amount, this bucket, this entire bucket, as mamon. And therefore, again, if the father were to die before the verdict were to be delivered, right? In accordance with the Rabbanon and the Mishnah, this entire bucket of money would pass through to the brothers, because we view the whole thing as mamon. In other words, maybe we view it as mamon for certain things, but not mamon as other things. So we'll say, this is the Mishnah. This is the Mishnah, right? Rabbi Shimon says, if she did not have the opportunity, I should say, to go ahead and, if the money was not collected by the father before the father died, Rabbi Shimon in the Mishnah, right? Rabbi Shimon says, the money does not become the property of the father until he collects it. Therefore, if the father dies before collection, the money becomes the property of the girl. Of the girl. So the Gemara But if it's just said before that maybe this money could be considered mamon for inheritance purposes, if that's the case, then why does the girl get it? Why wouldn't the brothers inherit? In other words, as long as the father is alive at the beginning of the proceedings, then this bucket of money should be called mamon, at least for inheritance purposes, and let her brothers inherit it, not her. 
Amar Rav, Rav said, Hai Milsa Kashai Ba, Rav of Rav Yosef, Esrin V'tartin Shner. Rav is incredible. Rav says, this matter, this matter was, was a kasha, was difficult for Rav and Rav Yosef for 22 years. And they never were able to answer it. Ad Yosef, Rav Yosef, Bereisha, Opirka. Until Rav Yosef came and was Rashi Shiva and ultimately answered. Rav Yosef, take a look at Rashi. It's actually an incredible Rashi. Esrin V'tartin Shnin, it's right across in Tulsa's low. Listen to this. Hain Hayu Yimes Rarasal Shal Rabba. Rabba was Rashi Shiva for 22 years. Umes, and then he died. The Yasha Rav Yosef Barosh. When Rav Yosef was made Rashi Shiva, Rabba says, listen to this. Visayua Mirashamayim, the Farki, Leo Slow the Shame, the Fisha Rabba Kharif, the Lakach Karu Okir Haran. Rabba said, listen to this. When Rav Yosef became the Rashi Shiva, this is incredible. People didn't know if he was really up for the task. Because Rabba, Rabba was Rabba. Rabba was Rabba. And Rabbi Yosef came along, and people are like, eh, okay. So I'll say, so what happened? A miracle occurred. Rabbi Yosef had certain siyata dishmaya, that on his first day on the job as Rosh Hashiva, he was able to resolve certain halachic issues, which were outstanding for over two decades. And Rabbi Yosef, this is one of them. This is one of them. On the first day of the job, on the first day of the job, he resolved this question that was outstanding for 22 years. She's supposed to say, look at the end of Rashi. Rashi says, karu okir harim. We'll say Rabba was called an Oker Harim. Oker Harim means what? An uprooter of mountains. And we'll say Oker Harim, that term is used for someone with an incredibly, uh, like a, a deep intellect. Someone who's able to look at things critically and ask profound questions. And, and really, Oker Harim means someone who possesses a keen power of analysis. That was Rabba. Rav Yosef was not an Oker Harim. What does Rav Yosef? was like Rashi. Rav Yosef Hayabal Rav Yosef was an encyclopedia. And therefore what? Lakach Karua Sinai. They called him Sinai. I will say Sinai is the term that's used for someone who possesses a voluminous amount of knowledge. We'll have to stop over here for today. Well, so I'll stop over here. I'm gonna leave you on the cliffhanger with the question. I'll just point out that people had doubts about Rav Yosef because he wasn't a Sinai. He was, he was sorry, he wasn't no grammar, he was a Sinai. Therefore, he asked the Yashmah on the first day of the job. The Baruch allowed him to go ahead and resolve certain issues which were outstanding for over two decades. We'll say the resolution in the Hashem tomorrow. Shkoyach. All right, Chabrazum, have a great day, everyone.